0: Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight. Welcome
1: and, to to the crisis. Crisis. and welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is talking terror as always i'm your old pal the king of horror and G. welcoming you to this episode where tonight we're going to be talking about the mad monkeys film pick of the week from 1955 the night of the hunter directed by charles lawton and starring everybody's favorite psychopath from that era Robert Mitchell. But before we get to that, I'd like to welcome back the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Hello, hello,
2: everybody. What is going on?
1: Welcome back. Oh, we are so glad to have you back here for this, not only this kick tonight, but for the episode. Missed you last week. Glad to have you. Leaning on. Leaning on,
0: man.
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> And they're also joined by the Simeon, the man who's sick tonight, the Prince of Amor's Day. Yes, get funky with the mad monkey.
3: Thank you for calling the Drunken Monkey Real Bet- the Rehabilitation Clinic Hotline. Due to the current holiday, our offices will be closed so the Talking Terror crew can get stoned, baked, ship based, tossed, and pissed for the St. Patrick's Day while they strive to bring you the best there is at all of the interwebs. Podcasts are now available on Spotify, iTunes, Blog Talk, or wherever you choose to get your dear little podcast, you little fuckers. So, shalante Var, horror family. Shalante va, you motherfuckers. Happy St. Patrick's Day, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you have, Monkey? Because you're putting the English on really hard right now.
1: Have you had any, or are you just putting that on? Because I know you. When you get drunk, you put the English on.
3: And all of a sudden, it's I like having *Simon* seven peg. I have had three out of the six that I'm having tonight. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you wait 90 seconds, that's like 12 to me. So, yeah.
3: there we go. <laughs> it's a patch day, man. I'm not going to... Look, I do – look, we do most of these episodes completely 100% sober. You and I, King, it's like we do this, but tonight it's a Patrick's Day, and yeah, King and I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Do you have any idea
2: how fast you were going? I don't know.
3: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
0: no, it's, 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 it's,
3: <laughs> no seriously, it's like ever since the ghoul went sober for our show, you know, it's just me personally, I tried to do every episode ever since sober with him, just to support him and be 100% with him on the show, and it's just today mm-hmm. I'm taking a break, actually having a drink, <laughs> because it's St. Patrick's Day, but yeah, any other time, King and I are 100% sober every time we do the fucking show. Believe it or not,
0: no, I'm, listen, I'm the
3: only one that
4: isn't. Uh, then I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I I'm appreciate, appreciate it, waters.
2: fellas, but I can I can tell you now, man. Let loose and enjoy however you want, man. You don't have to like not imbibe because I am on the show and don't drink anymore, man. It's
4: all good. The rest of oh, the I world. Oh, I don't follow you know, that you know, guideline you know, whatsoever.
2: I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. No doubt, and any way about that.
3: No, it's just when you first went sober, Ghoul, and again good for you, man, is you know, for how long you've done this, it's just King and I decided we were doing this stuff with you, so at least during the show we were all there with you, man, and you know, it was just a group effort, you know, on our part to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, mm-hmm.
1: thank you. Yep. I mean, I'm but not gonna no, get back. in the
0: market.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm getting shit-faced tomorrow night, so I'll be good. I'm <laughs> getting that's deep
2: far. and emotional and shit, yeah. man. You're going to make me cry. <laughs>
0: First thing, <all>, the demonic <laughs> dean's break oh, all that up. Hey, I was just saying, that's
4: good. Dean? Going so well, his feet? Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. Well, fa- I'm sorry. I played my, my, sound, my sound cut <laughs> for a sec. What was the question? <laughs> How's your, your safety how you going, Matt? <laughs> Oh, it's going it's going lovely. As I shared with our group before, um, i made my big annual pot of corned beef and cabbage, and my half-Irish wife made a delicious, beautiful uh, Irish buttermilk soda bread to go along with it. So we had a delightful dinner. I'm stuffed to the gills right now. I'm drinking a big old bottle. Um, one of my local breweries uh, just north of me is Moylan's, and uh, they make, uh, for this season, they make... Uh, Danny's Irish-style red ale. So I got a big old bomber of that that I am enjoying for this show. So, uh, Monkey, I believe I saw that you also made some corned beef and cabbage this evening. Is this correct? Yeah. Uh,
3: I got a hold, because sales were going on, I got a hold of a five-pound corned beef, sit there and cook that up. The uh, diva went ahead and uh, made up some uh, some roasted Cabbage on the side, and then she uh, did some stewed potatoes and carrots to go with it as well. So yeah. All
4: right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you what do you what do you cook your corned beef in? What do you cook your, cook your meat in? That just sounds dirty.
3: <laughs> um, no, when I do a corned beef, I um, young man, t- take it, uh, I take it straight out of the brine. <laughs> I don't do a rinse because I want to. Keep as much flavor in there as I can, and then I put the seasoning packets on there, and then <laughs> I roll like it. In good mustache. <laughs> <bash>. uh, yeah, <laughs> and then no, th- then I roll it in foil and bake it for three and a half hours, and then I give it a quick broil after that. And that's oh, how I do my corned beef.
4: aha uh-huh. gotcha. So, yeah, I do the simmer, do the long slow simmer. I find that the the spice packet usually is not enough, so I. Uh, increase, I know what's in the spice packet, so I increase the amount of spices um, and add some other things, but I do my long simmer uh, in a unsalted, uh, there's so much salt from the brine, so I use an unsalted vegetable stock and a big old bottle of Guinness and a little bit of brown sugar to take the bitter edge off of the Guinness, and uh, I use carrots and garlic and onions for the cooking part, but then when the meat is just about ready... I take the meat out of the pot, and I take all of those cooking vegetables out and chuck them. And then I put in fresh carrots uh, for 20 minutes so they're ready. And then for the last 10 minutes, then I put in the cabbage. So the beautiful carrots are tender. The cabbage is perfect, and the meat is perfect. And then we slice it up and eat it. So uh, wonderful, nice, wonderful uh, Thanksgiving Day, uh, Thanksgiving Eve uh, dinner. And um, oh. you know, now I'm enjoying my beer. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, (laughs) Dean. Did I say Thanksgiving? Yes, you did. St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) I didn't even break out the green spot yet. I have a little bit of. I have a little bit of. I have like a like an inch of left of a green spot Irish whiskey that I was going to have later. I didn't even dip, dip into that yet. So there, there you have it. You, you all know how my, uh, my St. Patrick's day is going, but, um, really when the, happy, when the happy ghoul was just talking D. about, yeah, thank you. When the ghoul is just talking about, uh, and you, and you monkey and, and, and King talking about like not, uh, drinking for, for our, during our broadcasts, uh, see like the, our broadcast, that's like, Usually, the one time a week that I that I do uh, have a couple of drinks, like some, I might have a beer here and there on the weekends. But like, I look forward to like, you know, a few glasses of wine or a couple of beers during during the show. And that's like my one like drinking night. So, uh, I I come from the opposite uh, end of the spectrum as you two on uh, on this year uh, holiday of green, and every episode yeah, well, is talking of terror, just about. It, yeah, well, that's because uh, King and I usually get
3: our drinking in on Friday nights when we get together for SmackDown. Um, but yeah, I just want to say like this past weekend, because I have to work maybe a double this weekend. We did our St. Patrick's Day this past weekend and King again, just want to say thank you for having me over. I had a great fucking time as we sit there and drank, uh, watched, um, some good horror movies, some bad horror movies, um, but it was still a a but it was still a great time, man. And again, thank you for having me over your home, man. It was so awesome. I got to
1: expose you to when you went for there again.
4: it. When you went to the home of the king of horror, uh, did anything weird happen? Did any street people try to climb in the balcony, or did police walk in the door? Did any of those things happen while you were there, monkey? Uh, not this time, uh, but usually I sit. You know, usually like every other time that I get
3: together at the Kings, we usually have to call the cops on one of his neighbors because some weird ass shit is going on. People yelling, people fighting, all that kind of stuff. And I always want to get involved, and then the Kings like, "Nope, just call the cops. Just call the cops. Don't go down there. D- just don't go down there. Don't get involved. Just call don't the go cops." down there. <laughs> because- you're
1: ninety pounds, monkey. If you try to start shit, guess who's gonna have to end it? Me. The giant <laughs> fucking six one fat guy with the beard and the baseball bat. They're gonna be like, Yeah, yeah exactly. Him,
3: King. <laughs> what? Yeah, what bitch? What? I'm gonna back like, out. Oh, God damn it, monkey. Go back inside. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm in there yeah, i i I'm in there starting shit like the tiny little Dudley brother and then you come in like Victor Crowley, man. That's how it fucking works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. I tell you, that's what it is. It's exhausting.
1: (laughs) Every time you pop up your chest, I'm like, dude, just relax. Go finish your cigarette.
3: You know I'm going to have to finish it. Yeah, I know, but just let me have my Spike Dudley moment, and you never do. (laughs) No, because I know how it's going to end. It's going to have to end up (laughs) with me face to face with some anger. And you're
0: like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Among you,
3: anger? Monkey hanging off the balcony by his ankles like he's fucking vanilla ice or some shit, and then the king's got to come in and save his ass. (laughs) That's usually how it works. (laughs) What happened the last time
1: that guy got in your face when we were drinking and he cursed at you? What had happened? I had to stand in front of you while you stood behind me going, what's up, what's up?
4: Oh, what a circus that must have been. Oh it's man! Yeah, okay. oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that
3: night was no. That, that night was actually, yeah, actually messed up because because the king kept trying to step in front of me, and I kept trying to step in front of him because I actually had a knife in my pocket, <laughs> so I was good to go. But we were like having this weird, like you know,
0: trying like to protect this.
3: other. I, we were trying to have this weird-ass, like, moment of protecting each other. I was like, dude, I got you. And he's like, no, dude, I got you. And he's like, no, dude, I got you. And it's like, and the dude kept, like, backing up slowly, like, what the fuck's going on? You know, as we're, like, doing this weird-ass, you know, all, all, almost, you know, dance fight thing going on where we were that close to snapping our fingers together and shit like that. <laughs> going to get What's up, man? What's up? One <laughs> the sharks, dude. Like the long bow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you know we were was, this close was, uh, to singing.
3: You know, once what, what, what you're a jet, you're a jet for life.
1: <laughs> Popping her collars up and flicking her hair back. Well, <laughs> he's flicking her. You he just kind
0: of. Yeah, I was about head. to say,
3: fuck, f- fuck you, King. It's like I, I can shine my head up a little bit for it, but I can't put my hair back. <laughs> yeah, I forgot no one that could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's time to Winchester. For us, when we get drunk. But, uh, anyway, uh, so to move on into the world of horror, uh, Dean, uh, you have
4: the floor to get us all started with some horror news. What do you got? Well, finally, our very own ghoul has made his triumphant return to Talking Terror this evening, and I've been sitting on I've been sitting on this small content piece for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I'm 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 ready. To, to share this list that I came upon on the internet of some dude's uh, idea of what the best order to watch all of the Marvel movies is. So what I'm going to do. <laughs> wow, you really have this you said this weeks ago, man. Holy cow. Well, this is the third week. You missed the last, you missed the no, last I know, two, I know. I missed one. two weeks. Indeed. So I just you okay. know I make all of my news notes on papers and I just kept this one in my microphone box and, and here we go. So uh before any comments I'm just gonna go down the list, all right? And um I shall stay silent. You know, it, Listen. All right. So all right, we have uh Oh shit! I can't even fucking understand my chicken scratch. Uh, what is the is (laughs) is, uh is is the captain captain? No, I have all of it except for this first one. Uh, captain, is there something called like cap Captain America First Avenger or something like that? Yes. Yeah. The first Captain America. All right. So Captain America, Captain America First Avenger, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor, Avengers, Iron Man Three. Uh, Thor, is it Dark Lord? Thor the Dark Lord? Uh, Dark Captain World. America Winter... Dark, Dark World. Dark World uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. Uh, Ultron. Ant-Man. Civil War. Black Widow. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Doctor Strange. Black Panther. Thor Ragnarok. Infinity Wars. Uh, Ant-Man vs. the Wasp. Endgame. And then Spider-Man: Far From Home, and then WandaVision. What the fuck? It's no, hmm. oh,
2: no. It's easy. You didn't figure that out. It's chronological. It's That's all that yes, is. It is. is it's, just it? A chronologic, it's just a chronological list. That's <laughs> the order in which everything takes place within all the movies. So starting
4: with the wait, first but is Captain that, America is that film. The, the yeah, both so the first Avengers chronology yeah. of. So it's just chronology of the story, not chronology of the release of the movies.
2: Exactly, it's not release of movies; it's chronology of actual like events within the films. Uh,
3: but do we? But so then, okay, then but this do is we the... know? Do we know when Black Widow actually takes place, though? Because I thought Black Widow took place after the Avengers movies, and that and that list had Black, Avenger way more, no, uh, uh, Black had, Widow way. No, how could Black Widow take
2: place after the Avengers movies if she's dead? Yeah, that so movie's not out yet. So we don't even know where
1: that's...
2: Gotta t- it yeah, that is. It's got to. Yeah, It's probably going to be before the first Avengers film, and then maybe it'll have mm-hmm. something after the after the first Avengers, but maybe before um, Age of Ultron.
0: Yeah, yeah be that's what
2: I'm saying.
3: That, that, that's what I'm saying is how do we know where that fits though? Is because we don't know yet because it's not out yet we don't, but he might. You know, some people like spoilers, man. I, I don't,
1: I know nothing about the Black nope, movie,
2: and I intend to keep it that way until I finally see the fucking
1: thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I haven't even seen any trailers or anything. So. But it has to be, because he's like, that's dead in Endgame. So it's a good list, though, if you want to watch it chronologically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go in order
3: that way, I think that's a great list. No, it's cool. Yeah, man. I mean, and, Oh, go ahead, Go.
2: I was just saying, oh, my I've seen the chronological list before. My biggest problem with that is is it really only works well when you are when you've already seen all the other films. like it's kind of yeah. like trying to make somebody watch Star Wars and have them watch it in chronological order going from one to nine. You kind of ruin some of the best film moments. By doing that, now granted, most people know certain things, you know, because of the zeitgeist uh, of the culture involved. But like, I just feel like, you know, again at this point, like, you know, we're, we started watching it. Me and Sam, we still haven't even finished, uh, you know, episode four, however you want to call it. Now, I still call that one Star Wars. So, if we're going to call it yeah. anything, I'm going to call it Star Wars, and that's going to be that. So, we started with Star Wars. Now, the reason why I want to do it that way, anyway, is because you also get a progression of film and special effects, you know? So yeah. when you, you, you look at the advancement over the years, like trying to have somebody watch episode one through three as, you know, as, as horrible as those special effects can be viewed at times. Um, once you yeah. get to episodes four five and Ugh. six for a younger generation, that's a major step back. Um, so, you know, I think if I, by starting it in just the order of release is just always the best way because you introduce certain things and, I don't know, you, you just can't get the storytelling back that way.
3: And you can almost always skip toward yeah. to the dark world. But, but also, like you said, even, even with MCU, okay, you know, there's, you know, a huge amount of change in the technology of special effects just in MCU.
4: You know where you know
3: just look at the you know just look at the first horrible you know incredible Hulk movie, you know for example, you know compared to the second incredible Hulk movie where it's just you know the advances in the CGI were just amazing, and huge differences and mm. what?
2: Well, no, no, go ahead. Uh, no, i my only <laughs> thing is more than anything else. I think with Ang Lee's Hulk versus the Incredible Hulk, I mean Ang Lee was trying to make a. You know a f- quote unquote film because he's such an artsy freaking director, and whereas an the Incredible Hulk, which is which is no great film, so don't take don't take it like I no. think that's a great one either. But it's it's an action film, so its special effects reflect that. You know, whereas Ang Lee was looking for character moments and and deep fucking introspection into a father-son dynamic and the sins of the father and how, you know, that just kept going going and Nick Nolte fucking chewing up scenery and shit
0: like
3: that, man. That's what was going on in that film. I still love that fucking monologue at the end of that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing any of that. I was just talking about special effects, period. You know, when you compare the special effects of those two movies just in the MCU and just the vast difference you see and the quality of special effects. That, that's all I was saying. You say vast deference? I mean, vast <laughs> deference.
2: Oh, uh, urethra. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, like, exactly. you know, you can see, like, a major jump, I would say, from, like, the Incredible Hulk to Infinity War and, you know, and Endgame and stuff like that where, you know, you're getting – you know, major, major character differences in texture between CGI and stuff like that. But you, again, that's you know, the ten-year jump. Um, yeah. With them working on stuff that uh, that you know was a lot. Of, a lot of it was made by them originally. You know, look at look at everything that they've accomplished since the, the first Captain America film. You know, taking uh, yeah. Chris Evans's head and sticking it on that tiny actor's body and everything. You know.
3: <laughs> oh man, that totally freaked me out. <laughs> when they fucking did that shit. I mean, oh my god,
1: Chris mm-hmm. Evans is
3: on my head, is on my body. What the heck? <laughs> the
1: dream comes but true. Now
2: the but now we've seen that same technology bring Grand Moff Tarkin back to life. You know what I mean? you, so, uh, Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher. You know? it's, it's, it's some crazy stuff. And it gave us young Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Sorry, that, again, that's totally, that, but you know <laughs> what?
3: Again, you're, you're you just gotta fuck.
0: Again, that was yourself, that,
2: man.
3: Th- that was such an awesome moment. in The Mandalorian blew me away, and I was just like so fucking fanboyed out when that fucking happened.
0: <laughs> me, <laughs> too. me too. Yes.
1: Mm. Oh, mm. oh, were you? Mm. Were you
3: king? Aside from
1: that movie that I
3: watched, uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's on yeah. the king, show. Yeah, King was all about it, man. Like he was texting me immediately. You're like, "Dude, I just came all over my phone. I'm so fucking excited. You know, fucking Mark Hamill's back, baby." Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: I found my uh my newest uh sh- at least it's a shorter obsession, you know. My my mother Decided to suggest it for me, you know, as uh, as she she knows my my love for Love Island and whatnot. And being that we have no Love Island to to watch anymore, she uh, you suggested uh, USA
3: You were actually said, out uh, of Love Island. You actually watched have 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 no, no, all of them,
2: dude. There's no more seasons right now. They everything got freaking halted from COVID, you know. So. Um, so we started watching Temptation Island on uh, on USA and uh, that is Oh no. it's fun. It's a good time, man. It is.
3: it's uh, it's, it's Yeah, you know, but is, for, for, from I it's I've seen that though. It's not even close to Love Island.
2: No, 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 no. It's definitely its own little thing and everything, but it is entertaining drama uh, and you know, again, it's reality T V. Like I was trying to explain to my mother, you know, like how, how quote unquote real I feel like these couples and people are is uh is definitely subject to your, your interpretation. I definitely think some people are <laughs> just simply fucking actors and they're they're acting well. But it's still fun. True. What well, so that
0: is is weird. You,
4: you should consider becoming a contestant. I'm good. Thank you. Too old. No, Love
2: Island. Too old Love Island. Those are, those are he, 20-somethings, he, man. Good. Dude, I can't
4: keep he, up no, with No, young no, if, baby, no. you can spearhead the push for the middle-aged Love Island.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be pretty. Yeah, wait till we see them fucking saggy <laughs> yeah. bags and fucking dudes. nuts and cheese thighs all, baby.
3: Uh huh. <laughs> Dude, if he if he and the if he and the ghoul gal showed up on Love Island, they wouldn't know what the fuck to do because the, the ghoul and the ghoul gal would show them so many shit. They would be like, "Holy shit! I didn't even know my body could fucking feel this way. I'm only twenty five. I like I've never fucking come so hard in my fucking life." <laughs> Not know, entirely. He you know, that's that's, that's No, and you just either you know, no, and the and the ghoul and the ghoul guy would like have their own island where like then everyone would just be coming to flock just to have fucking grou- little weird ass like group sex with them. <laughs> just be like, Yeah and the ghouls and the ghoul guy are like, dance puppets, dance. That's right, come to our little island. <laughs> Man. The ghoul girl nearly killed a freaking
2: lady you know, kind of, kind of, she nearly killed a woman in a parking lot the other day as we were leaving uh CBS on Gordon's Quarter Road simply because the woman was checking me out at the time so she's uh she's getting dangerous which it was just it's quite funny but uh yeah it, it got mouthy and I had to oh think really? before we get in the vehicle
4: wait oh, wait wait yeah. so, so rewind rewind uh so go ahead with the details on this one so what exactly happened you were at the CBS and and well, what the, happened? I was go. I I was getting
2: food for the kids from La Rosa over there in uh, in Penalpin on the Yorktown area. You know, the place across the street from Yorktown. Um, the shop. There's a La Rosa really over there place. now. Yes, yes in Manalapan, it's been there for years.
4: I did not know that. I was only aware of the La Rosa in Marlboro by the uh, Wawa in the corner of Seventy Nine, as well as the La Rosa by Rain Tree uh, Rain Tree Shopping Center. I didn't know there was another one.
3: Okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, I want to hear the ghoul gal they no, the no. rip another bitch's ass Yeah, let's out.
2: get to the CVS, like, right. man. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I'm coming out of La Rosa with the food, and I guess I don't know, there was just this woman who decided to check me out or whatever it is. And I guess she was checking me out a little bit more than the ghoul girl was, was allowing, uh, I guess is the best word to say, because it became like just a – a definitely sharing of words. I guess according to the Google girl, the woman like went, made sure to like to kind of go over. Like she like walked around her car to like completely like give me like a double take as far as like checking me oh, out. Yeah, so, yeah. look, she was a, <laughs> she was a, she was an older yeah. lady, you know, but very pretty. You know, we we both we both agreed on that. We had the Google girl, but uh, we well, see that's that's the thing. The Google girl was like, yeah, I mean, I guess we theoretically could have taken her home, but then I would have to fuck her up afterwards. So, but okay, she... <laughs> She was just okay, not. Go ahead. She was. She was just not feeling it at the moment. So yeah, it was just a lot of words being being said from the ghoul girl and this poor woman getting in her car and and just kind of just hiding and trying to like hide away. But <laughs> you know, making sure she still made sure to give like one last like quick glance and then a stink eye too. Man, it was like, oh please, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta
4: were, go. Do, I don't you, do you remember to the specifics? Do, do you remember the specifics of the words that were said? Uh, bitch,
2: that's right. You know, you better not be fucking looking at him. You better take your eyes. I will get out of this car and I will fuck you up. Um, yeah. It was,
0: you know, again,
2: it's one of those, Damn. You know, those
0: scenarios. He
2: was straight you, up ghetto. Kind of, yeah. Well, you know, that, that happened. The, the funniest for me with that was at the Mo show, man. Fucking, you know how us, us hippie types are, Dean. Uh we can, oh can be very talky And yeah sometimes You know hugs that kind of shit goes down Well I yeah, guess this one girl of life, I had <laughs> well, this, was, this is while I was Still drinking um, I don't think I was on anything else I don't think there were any fucking uh, Dabbies or Dippies or anything like that going on uh, This is at Asbury Park uh, but anyway, so this one chick I had run into, I thought she was somebody that I knew from the, the Morons fan page on Facebook. Um, and so we were all chatting and everything. I like I, I mentioned her name or whatever it was because she had the same first name, but I guess she wasn't that chick. Pretty girl and everything, though. Um, so there we are. We're just sitting. We're just all talking. We're standing there and everything. All of a sudden, she, Bonnie, the gooker walks up to her. And she just goes, listen, I don't really know you, but if you put your hand on his neck one more time, we're going to have major problems. And I just said it was all the threat that could possibly be said within one's fucking voice on it. Now, honestly, at this point, I didn't even realize the girl had like touched me in any way, shape or form. So like even I had like nothing like I was in utter fucking shock like oh fuck man and yeah it pretty much just squashed that entire conversation and the girl pretty much ran off so and that, that was the end of that so you gotta tread lightly with Google hmm. girl you can never know what you're gonna get like 31 fucking flavors of Baskin Robbins ice cream man. <laughs>
3: She, she she she's all up for uh, damage. No but, but but she better be one hundred percent into it. If not you you are fucking out of there, bitch. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 no going on and trying to instigate. It's more of let her
3: let her take the lead on that kind of stuff.
0: It's wearing hot
3: pants. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm definitely not wearing my hot pants around the ghoul and the ghoul gal. <laughs> I don't want her getting upset. No, no, yeah, no, you know.
2: I, I might, I might, I might look the wrong way and get in trouble for it.
4: No, <laughs>
0: you don't
1: want to see him in my pants.
4: Tough. <laughs>
1: Shut up, King. Oh.
2: Oh. Monkey and leopard print.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty nice.
2: I know, I've seen That's the King. We're uh, gonna,
3: uh, we're, yeah, we're not bringing that stupid. night up again, King. I've seen the
2: King in his skivvies after a night of drinking, man. That's a fucking sight to
1: see. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a you know, just man in just shorts. Yeah. Oh, exactly. no.
2: Dude, you're tighty-whities, man, and fucking Missouri. too, bro.
1: Yeah. Sorry, no, it was not a pretty... Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> 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 have no fucking blood prisons for this guy.
3: Sorry.
1: No. I will wake up in my tidy wedding and be proud. I, yeah, yeah, couldn't.
3: unfortunately, yeah. Well, yeah, one night when the king was over here, it crashed. It, like, I came walking into the room, drunk as fuck, and a fucking, yeah, so, some tight-ass fucking underwear. <laughs> I just kicked in the door, like, sorry, king, got to go piss. Sorry, Sorry,
1: Even under, dude. Was, that, was
0: that was fast.
1: What was just those blue fucking little banana hats that you fucking wore? And you just stood in the doorway going, "Sorry." I
3: was like, "Put the pants on." you guys, you guys still had a party, dude. it was a big my, my air conditioning. My ear conditioner was broke, and none of us were wearing a lot of clothes that night. Okay, <laughs>
4: very romantic. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know, oh. Dean. You know, don't, don't don't put me away. Don't put me away. No, I kind of remember that no, but, being uh, a catchphrase on a certain night.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, because now the diva's in the background laughing. Oh, yeah, she I... rem- she re- she remembers that night too. <laughs>
4: Wait, oh, your okay. uh, diva was <laughs> diva was privy <laughs> to all of this. Oh,
3: oh yeah, yeah you no, know, no, it w- it was at our house, and we invited the king over. But unfortunately, it was a crappy, crappy night, like on one of the hottest fucking nights of the y- days of the year, and and our air conditioning unit decided to break on that fucking day.
0: <laughs> oh man. We,
3: yeah. So yeah. So. Yeah, so it was pretty like, much everyone like in as little clothes
4: as possible that day, <laughs> and compressor, yeah, right, a fan motor. Did you need freon? We <laughs> got the butter sauce then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He'll
1: to to He'll wear a pair of and something else. He said, No, he's got fucking speedo, fucking banana hammock on, just standing in the door <laughs> like fucking Fabio, going, "Hey, I use the bathroom." Sorry,
0: Sorry. Hey, he's
1: wearing his like, hat at the same time.
3: time. Like
1: I have to go to therapy now. Thanks.
0: <laughs> There's so much. There was so much Yeah, because
3: so you know, yeah, I walked in and, you know, <laughs> you know, I asked him if he wanted to play tummy sticks, and he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: I mean, 3 o'clock in the morning, six?
4: fucking pants Tummy <laughs> sticks, man. Yeah. You wanna play three sticks? That's some
3: hockey slide yeah. right there. Yeah, he said, you know, no no tummy sticks. <laughs> I was like, well, you want to play swords? <laughs> I got to go piss. <laughs> He's like, no. That's awesome.
1: I was like, <laughs> I just <like>, not <laughs>
3: I'm the bathroom. Can you put the pants on sword? Yeah, yeah cause I, uh, yeah. Well, I was trying to. So I just to to play play you guys cop, cop, cop and a half.
1: Uh, we used to do that, but we kind of got bored with it after a while. Like making eye contact after 20 minutes gets really fucking intense, so we just got rid of that thing altogether on Friday night
3: Yeah, got <laughs> weird. Like
1: that was
4: it was like weird Weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, they expected big things from Norman Gold in the second after cop and a half, but his career never really took off, you know? No, kind of sad. <laughs> it did so, it don't figure.
1: Like, <laughs> Moving on from all of the fun stuff that we've been talking about. What else do you have in horror news? Get this train back on the track.
4: Well, being that tonight uh, is the pick of our very own monkey, uh, the first thing I want to talk mm-hmm. about is related to a previous monkey pick. And here, if... You're a long-time listener to the program. You might recall quite some time ago where we covered Attack the Block, a pre-Star Wars John Boyega, Boyega feature. Um, and uh, writer-director Joe Cornish said that he is actively working on an Attack the Block sequel at the moment. Uh, he said that uh, Boyega recently came over and they spent an entire day working on it uh, late into the nighttime. So they're actively working on an Attack the Block sequel. There is no time frame for when this might actually come together into production, uh, but they do say that they are working on it.
0: I'm here for it. Now,
4: love that movie. Yeah, yeah. the the The, the first movie was fucking fun as
3: shit, man. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but I think that this would be extra fucking cool if they can actually attach Boyega to it, like you said, and just, just have him this many years later. You know, again, possibly still on the same fucking block because again, that's how shit goes in London. You don't fucking leave your fucking block and just keep the story going of possibly, you know, another alien attack going on. But this time, now he's like, I guess it would be ten years older now, right? Yeah, yeah, two thousand eleven.
1: Yeah, something on.
4: like that. Yeah, yeah. He's still Johnny from the block. <laughs>
3: So, I think that would actually be pretty fucking cool, man.
1: Yeah, I'd be in for it, so about to see what turns out. I mean, I know John is gonna want to do it because he already said that he would, so and to have Joe Cornish come back as a director. yeah, easy. So hopefully we'll see that in the future. back to Black Park two.
4: We shall see now, all right over, moving on uh, last last week, we talked about some. Uh, some RL Stein news. And it seems that uh, his name is all over the place these days because there's even more RL Stein news. And it seems that his just beyond graphic novel series uh, is going to become an eight episode Disney plus anthology series. Uh, it is going to be a horror slash comedy, uh, family friendly anthology. Um, the director of the amazing Spider-Man movie Mark Webb will be directing at least the first two episodes. Uh, the showrunner, his name is Seth Graham green. Uh, he says that he grew up on twilight zone marathons and the original amazing stories, uh, series and is excited, uh, to be, uh, or to have a part in creating, uh, a family friendly genre anthology. So, uh, R.L. Stein's Just Beyond will be heading to a Disney Plus uh, for at least an eight-episode anthology.
3: Okay. Uh, if I can jump in real quick. Uh, King, you read the Fair Street stuff, right? Yep. Okay. Sure was that uh, was R.L. Stein actually taking the next step into actually keen and maybe more to actually tell real horror? Yes. Yeah, that was his
1: step up in Goosebumps. He had actually written some Fear Street before Goosebumps, and then he decided to expand that universe and write these books that were more for preteens, you know, that weren't so kid-friendly. You know, they involved more death. They involved ghosts. They involved things that kids might not be able to, be able able to handle and as well, stalkers and okay. things like that. So
3: that was the natural okay, progression so. for Stein. Okay, so R.L. Stein has actually written, in your opinion, then real horror.
1: Well, he's actually written adult horror, too. He has a couple of adult oh, books really? as well. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, I didn't know, a couple
1: right? I can't see of off the na- uh, top of my head, but at least two or three of them uh, he's written. Like years ago, I mean, this is like the early 2000s, he came out with uh, some adult-themed horror. Didn't go over as well, because I think they just wanted him to stay kid, preteen kind of land where he's comfortable. But there was a couple of books that he wrote for Fear Street, Lights Out being one of them, The Babysitter being another one, where people get brutally killed in those books. I remember really enjoying those and hoping that they would become a movie one day. And I know they are working on a 1st straight movie for Netflix, so we'll see how that turns out.
3: Okay, cool. All right, thank you, King. We'll
1: see uh, how that sorry. turns
0: out. So,
3: yeah,
4: sorry, sorry to interrupt, Gene, as you were. Oh, no, no interruptions. Feel free to, to carry on. Monkey, it's your night tonight, okay? So <laughs> feel Oh, free no. To no. Whenever, you so, uh, whenever you so feel the, the need uh we, oh, we
3: have we don't, we don't want to do that uh you know,
4: <laughs> more material uh more material uh coming to series uh Showtime uh the Showtime network uh is getting into the let the right one in uh business uh in uh they're going to be turning that uh original film and then there was the let me in American remake uh into a TV series for Showtime and actor named uh, Demian Burchier, uh has signed on uh, to play the role of the father uh, the pilot has been ordered at Showtime and um, we'll see we'll see how that goes and if it comes to pass because uh, back in 2015 uh, A&E Network was trying to get a series going but then uh, that never happened and they moved it over to TNT who went as far as ordering and casting a pilot uh, but never actually shot it so uh, Showtime uh, all this time, five, six years later, six years later, I guess uh, is looking to get is looking to let the right one in, uh, and hopefully have a series <laughs> uh, to compete with all of the other networks and all of their original content. Cool man. Forward to
1: that. Yeah, those are two good movies.
4: Yeah. Uh, didn't we? Did we not cover one? Didn't we cover one on the show? Did we cover the original it one? It might have. It might have been one of on my picks, really. maybe. No, a long time Could ago, a long time ago. Yeah. Long, all right. Long and many um, ago. Easter is right around the corner and Walmart, uh, you know, is going to be selling all kinds of Easter products, uh, including, uh, Easter eggs, uh, based on film aliens. Uh, Walmart what? is going to be selling a carton of <laughs> Xenomorph eggs. Um, they can be purchased in store and online, um, the packs out there. There are going to be four different kinds of pods. Uh, there's going to be four different creatures. There's going to be face huggers, chest bursters, um, so on and so forth. Uh, and you can try your luck with a four pack of alien Easter eggs. Uh, each carton uh, it will be on sale for nineteen dollars and ninety six cents, uh, both in store and online. So uh, there you have it. If that is your kind of uh, that is your kind of trick or treat for Easter, man. Because I'm seeing this on
3: terror page, and they just look like the nano figures. And you, man, they're fucking charging fucking twenty bucks for some fucking nano, alien nano figures.
1: Yeah, they're they're little. But,
3: hey, yeah, there's alien bands cap- out there. I'm sure they're gonna be good. Like, yay, capitalism.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Hey, listen, there's a there's an audience out there. No, go ahead and buy the Walmart exclusive.
2: Right, You've gotta remember Walmart the Alien Queen is a Disney princess now.
0: Yeah. Story.
1: <laughs> I still want to see that on Disney Plus. The Xenomorph comes to New York, runs a bakery, meets a guy,
3: you know, <laughs> if you will, and you know they fall
1: in love, and then they go to space.
3: <laughs> And Brit needs the Beast from Beauty the Beast, and they make some fucking nasty ass Xenomorphs. They're just all fucking mm. huge and hairy and shit like that. <laughs> that could be something. Yeah.
1: Beast, beast, <laughs> beast, beast, Xenomorph. You know, she's wearing a nice little gown. You know, I'm not against that. <laughs> that
3: sounds like it could be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. But they always visual, have though. pretty
3: blue. But they always have pretty blue eyes because the Beast is their daddy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you should act act fast and act now because this is going to be a limited Easter special for the season. This is something you feel you need for your collection. Uh, your opportunity may not be limitless. So act now uh, and secure your very own eggs.
3: I will take a hard pass on that because also as a Walmart exclusive, um, they've gone and taken the Alien toys from the '90s and then re-released them under Walmart, but then they are in, casted in really really bad colors and, and painted por- super super poorly. <laughs> so yeah, I know I know King, you've seen them too <laughs> in the kids' toys lo- toys aisles. You're like, dude, I grew up with those motherfuckers. <laughs>
0: The
1: Kenner. Yeah, the Kenner Toys. I grew up with those. But, yeah, they do not look good. The updated War version. So. I mean, but they're cheap. I mean, they're not that expensive. So, I mean, if you're an Alien fan and you want to add to your collection, you know, not have that. I mean, if, like the Super 7 figures. They yeah. Mean, they charge 23 more of the top for those things. They're just buying it from the package. you are actually buying it from the toy. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'll tell you this much, man. As a kid, I would have fucking killed to have some, like, al- like actual alien, alien yeah. fucking action figures, man. That would have been fantastic. Would have fucking had that go up against
3: G.I. Joe, all kinds of shit, you know?
0: Yeah. More yeah, I so agree with I you, was, man.
3: Because growing up, man, it's like I, there was one dude that was just as much of an avid collector of uh, figures as I was. And it killed me because he actually had an original alien figure from the original alien fucking movie. And I was like, I didn't even know this was a fucking thing. And, you know, until I saw it in his fucking collection, I was like, holy fucking shit. He had a box, you know, dated from back then and all that kind of shit too. You know, before the internet, so this is what you had to do. You had to find other collectors who had shit in their collection to share it with each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild they
1: sold us back in the day. Like the, the red noise. Clearly so that's, that's what the
0: kids, kids want, to want to play with. <laughs> 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 hmm.
4: So, yeah. not long ago on Talking Terror, the ghoul blessed us with the opportunity to take in from Full Moon Features uh, Ooga Booga. It was quite the film and quite the episode. And uh, you may not know this, but in Evil Bong 666, uh, Full Moon Features introduced a spinoff character. Uh, His name was the Ginger Weed Man. And in Evil Bong 666, he battled against the Ginger Dead Man. Well, he must have been so popular because the Ginger Weed Man uh, has been given his own spinoff feature film uh Full Moon Features website as well as their Amazon channel on March twenty sixth will be blessing us with the uh feature film debut of the gingerweed man.
3: Soon to be a pick by the beans.
4: <laughs> Hey look I'm not the one that's picked the full moon feature here, buddy. Uh you should be talking to the to the ghoul about that. So while you joke, uh he's the one that's been picking the full moon features. <laughs> Features. I got feature. something. on. Believe me, I got something on no, deck no, for the next time. No, not, because,
3: because I think I
4: did pick uh, master, Little Strike, so that, w- that was me too. <laughs> I, got a, I got a good one on deck for next time. Don't worry. <laughs> or maybe you should. But anyway, uh, March 26th, if that's your thing, you can be sure to check out the Ginger Weed Man. Uh, next, I'm sure, and I know from our chat that the, the King of horror would have been all over this. But uh, back in 1974, well, I mean, hold on, hold on sec, before you, uh, before
2: you go, go off on another tangent, I mean, has anybody here watched any of like the the? Well, I mean, obviously, I shouldn't even ask that because we know who the, who's going to answer. It's going to be the King. Um, <laughs> so, the King, how many of the Evil Bong movies have you watched?
1: All of them. <laughs> Are you asking me specifically how many I've watched? One through four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, three of them I think. I know I watched
3: Evil <laughs> Bomb, <Bond>. Evil Bomb. <Bond. laughs> six, six, <laughs> uh, six. Trying to he think of the other yeah. ones. He sounds disappointed. The king actually sounds disappointed because he because he knows there he knows there's more than three, but it's only seen three of them. He sounds sad at himself. No, <laughs> no you know what. I've seen Evil Bong, Evil Bong 666, Evil
1: Bong 3, I know there's a third, and uh, Evil Bong 420. So, yeah, I've seen four of them. Okay. So, I mean, I I did have a
2: reason behind the questioning, because all I've seen up until this point of that entire series was some of the first movie.
4: Um, (laughs) all you need to see. I, I,
2: I couldn't even like make it through the whole film because of like, I don't know again. And I even got into the right mindset with it, figuring that that's what would be needed to make said film entertaining and funny, but did not find any of the, the humor fun, did not find any of the effects to be fun, didn't find anything worthwhile about watching the movie so I never even bothered finishing it let alone go on to the other films. Did they progressively There's currently get seven of them better? Them. Did they get wow. better then? Like by the uh, time you hit 666 was it better than like that first film? Is this one of those horror series that actually got, you know, did it improve as they finally got more money and popularity?
1: Pretty much stayed the same. They pretty much knew what they were doing. It was the formula there. I knew what they were doing. with these well,
4: they, have, <laughs>
1: yeah. they
4: have they no, have Evil Bong, I mean, quality, Evil Bong because Two, because King Bong, the same
2: Evil shit. Bong
4: 3D, The Wrath <laughs> Bong. Uh, they have Evil Bong 420, <laughs> Evil Bong High Five, Evil Bong Six Six Six, and Evil Bong Seven Seven Seven. See, I haven't seen that one.
1: I'm trying to think. Yeah, quality. quality. No, Fuck that,
4: man. That, man. We don't need to spend money, man. People no. are buying
3: our shit anyway. Just keep putting out the same shit. We don't need to spend more money. Just watch the new <laughs> movies if you can't watch. Man, I mean, what can you watch?
2: <laughs> I don't so need to, to spend more money on it, but I mean, again, like at the very least, you know, did you can you find some like idea of like writing quality? Something I don't know.
1: Uh, whatever. Don't know. Okay. So Who might movies that you make? For this. <laughs> you know like, Lloyd said,
2: like Lloyd Kaufman said Make your own damn movie You know what, who the fuck am I to really <laughs> sit there And, and, and
1: comment <laughs> on it anyway Yeah, go watch Didger's Dead Man 3, Saturday Night Cleaver Or Passion of the Crust, which is part two Which know nope. part three
0: Yep, I've seen them Passion <laughs> of fans. the
1: Crust? Wow Passion <laughs> of the Crust is part two That was actually better than part one then part three, Saturday Night Cleaver, had a better ending than part two, but just not as good in quality as part two. So, yeah, I know. Don't fuck I know the chest of rock.
4: It's all about that Saturday. <laughs> That's the ginger, the ginger dead man.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, abuse, you can't go wrong with abuse. <laughs> you know, providing the voice for a Ginger Dead Man. You know, it's, it's You know, I watch think Gary Busey does because he's just so wild. But yeah, go ahead and watch those three movies. Then Evil Bong versus Ginger Dead Man. It's a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you
2: you sound excited just speaking of it, like uh, stripping with fucking eagerness.
1: You're gonna, I can tell you're gonna watch it again <laughs> this weekend. Now coming up. No, so I I watched them like once. I think I've I've earned it. I, <laughs> I think I maintain my horror credit for having this. <laughs> I even watched the Joe Exotic movie that it came out with last year. You know, Corona Zombies versus the Tiger
3: so, yeah. oh, oh, King. Oh, you watched that one? Yep. And, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. That finally that got same. released. Okay. <laughs> wow. How bad was yeah, that no, no.
1: <laughs> Uh It was vastly superior to the first one in every single way because it was just, it wasn't Corona Zombies. It wasn't ripping off Hell of the Living Dead, which is what my problem was with the first one. Or they just basically took Hell of the Living Dead and are like, Look, we're gonna put new footage over it and call it a movie. It's like, no you could be you could be as silly as you want with the plot, but just do something that's not that. I don't care how silly your movie is, but don't rip off another movie and be like, we're just gonna slap other footage on it. Like that that's the epitome of laziness. You tell <laughs> me you can't make a Corona zombie you can make it funny. <laughs> Without ripping off Hell of the no, Living Dead. Mm, yeah. mm. So I feel about like the evil bong, yeah.
2: if you're going to make a fucking, st- you know, if you're going to make a stoner <laughs> fucking based like horror movie, at least make it fucking funny. You
0: know, like I had a yeah. friend
2: today who was like, yeah, he's like, maybe, you know, like, but, but that's the thing. You're like older, you're this, you're that. And it's like, dude, I fucking love grandma's boy. You know what I mean? Like I love fucking how high, like I love stoner comedies. It doesn't take a lot yeah. to fucking really fucking make me laugh with a stoner comedy. At the very least, man, make it fucking entertaining. Like there was just nothing entertaining about that fucking Evil Mongfield at all.
3: Sorry, done. Yeah, no, I, I'm <laughs> with you, man. The or comedy is funny as fuck if you write it well. Though it's like that's the fucked up thing. It's like you know you you have to be really smart. About how you write your fucking stoner comedy, and it's just yeah, you have to have that wit, be in that mindset, and make it funny as fuck. You, but still, it's like you have to fucking deliver.
4: And we can do yeah more often time. than not. They don't.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <No. clears throat> Maybe you have to be stoned to watch Evil Bong and get it. I don't know. I was stone cold sober when I watched. When I, I, I tried. tried. Like
2: I said, I even put myself in the mi- the right mindset for it, and it's still nothing. Maybe you have to be sober. Maybe that's what I should do. I should try fucking watching it without
1: anything.
0: Don't,
1: no. don't do it. Don't, please don't. Please don't watch those movie sober. I'm begging you. No, I did it. It's it. You know, no. You'll you'll start to no, no, question what time is after a while. No, no, <laughs> no gummies. You know.
2: See what happens. I don't know. Whatever.
3: Let's move on. Sorry. No, no, I know de- I derailed the All
2: conversation.
4: Right. That's okay. So, Dean, yeah. we got on hard news. So, so back in 1974, a 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo mm-hmm. made his way through his family home, and on that fateful night uh, pulled the trigger on both his mother, his father, and his four younger siblings, uh, and the house that this took place in Uh, became quite famous, because a year later, uh, Kathy and George Lutz moved into this home where the murders took place, and 28 days later, they moved out, uh, claiming, uh, you know, the house haunted, and uh, this has turned into uh, one of the um, longest-running, quality-notwithstanding film series in forever uh, of the Amityville horror, and it turns out that just the other... Uh, Recently, Ronald DeFeo has passed away in prison at the age of 69. Uh, No cause of death was given, but they said an autopsy is currently being carried out. King, you want to weigh on Mm -hmm. this, man? Because you're
3: the biggest Amityville fan. I I believe that in all of this, man.
1: Well, it's not even Wayne. You know, the guy is a piece of shit, and he's a fucking liar. And just, uh, I just... Watching those round Lafeo interviews that they did from jail, like not even at the height of the Amity Horror that came out back in the late 70s, but later when they're like, oh, let's, let, let's question him more. Let's get a psychic in here that can talk to ghosts and see if they have information. And he's like, yes, I, I buried coins in the yard. And I heard all these voices telling me to kill. And then he would change his story to, well, my sister helped me that night. And my other sister helped me too. And that's why nobody heard the shots. And he constantly changed his story hoping that some way he would get out of jail. And he never was going to get out. He's a murderer, and he's, hopefully, if there is a hell, I don't think there is, but if there is, he's burning in it for killing his family for no fucking reason. He doesn't deserve where all does, that fucking bullshit that he gets. Where does Satan live if there's no hell?
0: Exactly. No, <laughs> Satan lives in
3: all of us. We are Satan.
0: He lives in us.
4: Where does Satan live? He lives in the where
3: farmers farmers... And, and a trailer park in Cleveland.
4: This but, guy's but here. He's
3: anyway. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but, okay, sit there and put the spin on it. Okay, King, in your heart of hearts, then, you're saying the whole thing about Amityville has nothing to do with spirits, nothing to do with possession, but has to do 100% with just some dude being an asshole and wanting to kill his family. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's all it was.
1: That Ron DeFeo was just an asshole. He was a drug addict. He was a drunk. He was constantly fighting with his dad and his mom, and he just felt like they needed to what's theirs. His sister, Dawn, who's also similar to him, who also hated their parents and also said the same thing to Ronnie about them dying. So I think that she helped him, but managed to kind of get away with it at the end by saying, well, you know, just take me out, Ronnie. He did, but it's not evil fucking spirits. There's nobody living in the house. There was nobody else telling them to get out. The left were frauds. The lane and... Ed Warren or frauds, the whole thing is just nonsense. It makes for a fun movie. It makes for a fun movie starring James Brown and other but there's no haunted in the It's a fucking house of murders. That place.
3: You know those okay. movies are
1: fun. The true story is a bunch of murders. That's all it is.
3: Okay, but on the flip side, it's like all right, just keep the conversation going here. Okay, you do, do like you personally, do you believe in haunted areas? versus Amityville here going on, where you think Amityville was just a, pretty much a set-up murder, and we just sit there and try to use a bunch of psychological shit trying to try and get out of it. While on the flip side, do you personally believe that there are actually haunted areas? No, I don't.
1: I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in hauntings. I think it's all psychological. I think you can tell somebody that a place is haunted, and they might believe it. They might hear something that they can't explain, but I personally just don't believe that there are anything such as haunting, especially not the Amityville house, you know, especially with the Enfield poltergeist. That was another big case of Warren's worked on where they thought that there was a ghost in the pipes and everything like that. It wasn't that. It was just menstruation going on, which can cause different kind of spikes in electromagnetic activity. And that's really all it is. So it's the the Warren just happened to be at the right time. (laughs) Wait,
2: wait, menstruation was going on.
1: Yeah, so
0: that, that's,
3: that's all it
1: is. Did he it's say menstruation cause
4: electromagnetic activity? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I
3: I thought I heard the same thing. Did you just say menstruation? For the third time RG, yes. yeah. <laughs> you look at it,
1: people, girls that are going through puberty also say that they experience weird sounds. Bumps coming off at different parts of the walls, things like that, that they think are ghosts, but it's actually just a reaction to what they're going through, which is puberty. And there is a correlation between hauntings and somebody in your house as a teenager going through it. And there's been documentation of this over many, many decades.
4: Oh,
1: well, okay. who knew? Okay,
4: okay. Uh, and, and his, and his, because I of electro- the electromagnetic activity. <laughs> You're putting the whole team in jeopardy. <laughs>
0: I just
1: I, I just don't I just don't believe in the whole thing. I mean I don't hate on people that want to believe in ghosts and the afterlife and and think that there could be actually haunted places. I just have a problem with the Warrens who capitalized on it and made millions off these books and movies and just basically used people who thought that they actually needed help. Like I just, I can't stand them, and I I hate the fact that they did that. Like the the ghost hunter shows and everything like that. Well I heard a noise. Maybe it could be a fucking animal. It doesn't mean that there's a house. Know, like, do some research before you hear a combing well, in your pipes and you think you're being killed by a demon.
3: Yeah, well, dude, I'm right there you, about, we you, Talking about, man, we saw like that it. in the movie.
2: Ed Warren was telling <laughs> that family, like, hey, man, it's steam pipes that's making this noise. Oh, they were good people.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, King, seriously, I'm, I'm going It's like, uh, 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 <laughs> again, it's like the way the Warrens were fucking people over. The, again, the way Zach Baggins constantly fucks people over. You know, that little Local fucking guys? hobbit. You know, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you, know, that, you know, no, he's another one of them, though, where it's like, you know, he's trying to build a career off of – people's fears, you know, and, you know, look at me. I bought the Annabelle doll. Oh, it's got in the glass case. Oh, I dare you to come near it. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, come to my museum. Oh, it's only $50 to get in. Uh, you know, yeah. Make me rich, motherfuckers.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I opened up a museum that you have to pay to get into to look at haunted dirt. Yeah,
0: thanks. yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: No, thanks. Once you, once you start to capitalize off of people like that, you can go fucking fuck off, man. I just, I hate it. Because these people are like, definitely in peril from something, and then you're taking advantage of it. by going, no, definitely Satan. <laughs> I mean, you guys definitely need to go. Uh, guys, let's bring in the cameras. Let's bring in the cameras. Zach, bro, you guys are haunted, and I'm going to take a chunk of your house and put it in my museum. Okay. <laughs> Are we going to profit off this? No, dude, no, no way. I am,
0: but
1: you guys, yeah,
3: sucks. Hope you guys find hope. You you profited off of this work of mine because I cleared Wait, your house ghost. Somebody better find and hope,
0: are sure? Can't lose yeah. hope. Well, and they I, gotta I, find yeah. yeah,
3: and I trapped all the ghosts in this little piece of your building, and I'm going to take it away and put it in my museum, going to the most haunted part of your house. And charge people to go see it, and dare them to touch it. On the next episode, a
0: ghost hunter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that's just my thoughts. On that. I, I didn't mean to go on a rant, but when I get started talking about these ghost hunters and investigations, I just you know, there's there, there's something
3: no. more to it than ghost hunters. Dude, it's cool, man. I'm right there with you, man. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway,
1: so that was Ronnie DeFeo. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about, Dean? What else do you have for us? Uh,
4: Yes, actually, I did. I had things that I would like to talk about. So, uh, Fede Alvarez, uh, who has his hands uh, knee deep or, you know, hands elbow deep in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre world right now, has confirmed that the upcoming Texas Chainsaw massacre film is going to be following the path of some other properties a direct sequel to the original film that will be taking place many many years after the events of the original film uh catching up with an old man uh leatherface uh he did say that this film is going what? to be using practical effects whenever possible <laughs> vintage lenses etc um and uh you know, it's not going to to have and he's a director. Have like
0: a little kid that's uh, kid. Don't I don't
4: know, but David Garcia <laughs> is directing. If you think back uh, when this film first went into production, uh, the original directors, Ryan and Andy Tohill, were fired just one week into filming. Uh, but, uh, you know, here we have it. Uh, another foray into the world of Texas Chainsaw is going to be a direct sequel to the original film. Holy fuck, man. This is the first I've heard of this.
3: All right. so we're, yeah. no, we No. Uh, Dean brought
2: this up a while back. Uh, he brought this up a while, while back because we made the argument that, one, the 2013 or whatever year that movie came out. Yep. Um that what? was originally framed as a direct sequel, considering it starts yeah. where the first one ends um but that obviously has been stricken from the uh from from the register and whatever that that's great <laughs> Danny I just like watching Daddario in her in her shirts.
3: um go get him kid uh
2: but uh <laughs> besides oh. that you know <laughs> i think
3: uh
2: yeah uh-huh this
3: one is uh
2: is, is baffling old man Leatherface. Uh-huh. uh
3: yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. It's just a phrase, old man leatherface. It's like, ever since fucking Wolverine, it's like, you know, this has become the new catchphrase, you know, in, in the nerd centers here is old man insert name, you know. <laughs> and now we're going old man leatherface. Uh, King, you are the Texas Chainsaw dude. How are you feeling about this, man?
1: I mean,
4: I like Betty
1: Alvarez. I think he did a great job with the 2013 Evil Dead remake, but... The fact that he's doing these interviews where he's like, guess what, guys? Man, like, hold on to your fucking seats. Old Man Leatherface, direct sequel. He's going to be old. We're going to use, like, old-school like, well, they He'll did that in 2013. Year. He's going to be, gonna be old and Leatherface. He made Old Man Leatherface, <laughs> and he brought him into the present. So we have Old Man Leatherface in 2013. We also have the direct sequel. So he's like, no, 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 no. Fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. We're using... Really fucking old school camera angles, all right?
4: <laughs> and he's gonna be like really old, okay? <laughs> be like, Super text.
1: yeah. And it's good, you know. No, no, no. You forget that seven, like forget the seventy four stuff. We're talking about right now, man. It's like no, it was done. That cold opening, cold. that cold opening in Texas Chainsaw 3D, perfection. Don't need any more than that. Then everything kind of falls apart. So I don't really hope I need Old Man Leatherface. I just don't. We tried it. And it didn't work. It just was not the yeah. same. It's not Bubba anymore. It's
0: just
1: a guy in a tie living in a basement. Yeah, Isn't I just don't get what well, like, you know, like
2: at this point, how how old is he going to be? And I mean, you know, what is he going to be? Some some big hulking eighty-something-year-old guy at this point, uh, or is this going to be a period piece where it's going to well, be a direct They didn't. To they place, you know they.
4: they they haven't said how far after the events of the original film, this is going to take place. Uh, what is our estimations for like the age of Leatherface in the first film? Man, really get trained, man. What's that? Yeah. estimated
1: to be about 22, 23 mid twenties.
4: All right. So even if it takes place, you know, thirty years after that, we're still talking about fifty-five to sixty. Like it's not that's not ancient. That's not like like elderly. Uh, so an older Leatherface, um, you know, could be you know in a in a realm of someone that's still physically able to do some damage. Um, you know, they're not when they're saying exploring an old man Leatherface. They're not necessarily saying that we're talking about an eighty-year-old Leatherface. But if he's estimated to be twenty-two to twenty-five in the first film, we can be. Thirty or even forty years ahead, um, and still, you know, have a character that's able to inflict uh, chainsaw-related carnage.
3: Yeah, I just... Dude, I, don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I just uh,
0: and and we yeah. we've
1: talked about it when the the dean put that thing up of the I, the graphic where it's like take one franchise away, like all the others could stay, but you, you have to take one away. It
0: yeah, it's hard it was about, Audi. To go.
2: Without making this take place in like the early 2000s, if they make this take place in present day, even if Leatherface was 22 in 73, he'd be 70 in this movie.
3: That's what I'm
0: saying. That's Vietnam what, War veteran, man. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, they, they're just trying to do something with Halloween.
2: He's not a Vietnam War veteran, mm-hmm. man, okay?
3: He could be. I'm just yeah, saying but... it. He, he's. I'm saying it's, uh, we're putting them in the same age bracket as our veterans from Vietnam. That's what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Stephen
1: Lang would do it would then,
0: sh-
3: but Stephen Lang or Martin too, if <laughs>
1: <I'm>
0: mad. <Right. laughs> that would be fun. <laughs>
1: but so I mean, we'll see. Like I guess I'm on the fence about it. You know, 2022, I'm sure, is when they're aiming for a release. So, Reserve judgment until I at least see some kind of a teaser. But until then, he will be first there's 2013 thing, though. So. I, I will be raising my, my on 306A replica in the air and waving it around for weatherface as
4: I always do. But, and then so call calling up the monkey for bail. Yeah, that's right. As I always do. Who knows? But anyway. I, uh,
1: so
3: that's. I, I told thunder. you, man. I got t- I got child support. I can't pa- I I can't pay child support and bail. So you got to sit there and be- behave yourself in the streets when we go running around chasing kids with your chainsaw. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Which
0: was, I keep which up with you- them,
3: that man. I keep up with them. I was surprised. Dude, I was surprised too, man. Because they fucking booked <laughs> when you fucking started chasing with that fucking chainsaw. <laughs> it was fucking
4: awesome
1: it yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, so for Bubba Man.
4: That's Yeah, I know, I I'm, I'm seeing the clock. I have got a couple quick things. Um uh, uh this one I can skip that's not that important. This one I can skip, I can I can wait. Uh, but I guess my final thing I just want to mention, uh back um some time ago, uh actress Charlize Theron uh won an Academy Award for uh for her portrayal of uh, true life serial killer Eileen Wardos in the film Monster. And it seems that writer-director Daniel Ferrantz uh, is getting into the Eileen Oronos, uh business with a monster prequel uh, that is going to be called American uh, Boogie Woman, and it's going to be starring none other than Cobra Kai's Peyton List uh, stepping into the mm-hmm. serial killer shoes. Uh, this film will also feature Tobin Bell, a veteran of the genre, uh, where the original monster was set uh, in the years 1989 and 1990. Uh, this film, uh, this kind of origin story, is going to be set in 1976. Um, you know, Daniel Ferranz is known for writing Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, he also directed the genre documentary, King's uh, Never Sleep Again, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street <laughs> Legacy, as well as uh, Crystal Lake Memories, uh, The Complete History of Friday the 13th. Uh, but he has directed uh, some other films, uh, such as The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and The Haunting of Sharon Tate. So there's no release date to this, uh, but uh, Tate and List of Cobra Kai will be, uh, you know, probably going the same route as uh, Charlize Theron and Ugly and Herself Up uh, to play this so, infamous serial killer. So hot, <laughs> Cobra Kai. <guy>. So hot. <laughs>
1: It won't be probably Who us? Say that much. See if she can even do it.
4: But all right. So what else, Dean? That, that, that's it, man. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the clock. I, 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 some, there's some minor things that I just could cut right out. So, uh, so there you have it.
1: We'll cover that next week. All right, Monkey. Getting to you for your film pick of the night, 1955, The Night of the Hunter, directed by Charles Watton. Give
3: us a little
0: description.
3: What you thought about it? And we're going to kick this thing. Charles Rotten. Yeah, exactly. Wow. All right. The Night of the Hunter is the story of two disreputable and disrespectful children who refuse to listen to the holy word of preacher Harry Powell, a man who roams the countryside spreading God's word, spreading the love of God's work through the power of his teachings, his Bible, and sometimes his switchblade. But who are these two spawns who refuse to share immediately $10,000 of stolen money with the good preacher Powell? Why, with that, they could build a grand temple to God. You know, you could build on the backs of dead children and the widows if the Lord should permit it. But has the holy man Harry Powell met his match in these two godforsaken meddlers? Because you know what Harry Powell does with meddlers. Let's find out as we discuss on Talking Terror the night of the hunter. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Uh, total spin on that shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) intro. But uh,
3: yeah, for me, this movie um, I watch, I like I picked this movie, but just because again, this one of these movies that falls into classic horror, you know that you should definitely like. This is one of those ones that falls into the you, you should totally check this shit out uh, checklist. Um, that yeah, and that being said, this was an old ass United Artists release from 1955, and I I was just shocked, you know, at what. <laughs> But, but, but yeah, I was shocked at what they showed, um, for about one third through the movie, and I was, like, really, really enjoying the ride for this movie, like, you know, where they were going with this movie, and it kept going up and up and up, you know, for the first third of the movie, and then when it hit, went and hit its fucking peak, uh, I was surprised that they went as far as they did with this fucking movie, and then unfortunately, I was upset because after that, the the fucking movie just fucking dropped. Um, I was really, really hoping they were going to keep pushing this movie, you know, further than where they went because where they went, you know, again, I was shocked um, for what they did, and again, kudos to them because this is one of those movies where. When they made this movie, they had no idea how to fucking categorize a movie that did what they did. Um, but again, I guess times being what they were, you know, they had to sit there and write it back up, you know, to make it more positive. I was really, really hoping they were going to keep writing on where they went. Um, but where they went in this movie, I, I was happy with it. I was happy that they went and. Um, you know, pretty much created a new genre with this film, um, of the you know deep, deep suspense, murder mystery kind of stuff going on, which we will be later see in movies like The Hand of the Rock's Cradle, The Temp, you know, <laughs> um, The Crush, that kind of stuff, where you know we have someone come in to town, and <clears throat> no one suspects them of all the weird ass fucked up shit that's going on. You know, just going on in this town. But lo and behold, yeah, surprise! It's the person that does it. But yeah, you know. But I think this movie is just based on horror history and hoping that we can sit there and cover it and share it and discuss this thing. Uh, and I hope maybe one or two of you guys like it too. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. What did you
1: think about The Night of the Hunter?
2: Uh, I mean, you know, my first impression... You know, upon finding out like this was the pick, finding out you know the year that it was made was one of those uh, automatic groans of like, oh fuck, here we go. Um, that being said, you know, uh, you know me, I, I avoid all spoilers on everything, but did quickly you know look the film up and did see that you know it's it's considered you know among some to be one of the the best films, you know, in, in, I guess, American film history, uh, or at least have some of the best characters, Uh, I think that, I think, would be a more true statement to it. Uh, I know that this is based off of a book. I will actually follow up and find the book and check that out, uh, only because I believe that all of the stuff that you find that's disjointed in this film is based on a first-time director and his edits to the script as written originally, um, because he needed to trim the film down. the uh, The original script would have made for a very long movie, which in this time, the time that this was made, would have been a big no-no. Uh, you know, this is not making this in the Avengers Endgame universe. We're making this in 1955. Uh, besides that, I mean, you know, chalk up to to time as far as everything else goes. Performances were decent. I thought that, uh, you know, that that overall, it wasn't a, a horrible experience, nor was it a great experience. So it's kind of where I'm at for for starters on it, anyway. How about
4: you, Dean?
0: Dean, you think about it. Yeah,
4: yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, I like this one. Uh, you know, filmmaking aside, and, you know, all this time later, 2021, the the way films are put together, shot, crafted, etc., uh, you know, have come a very, very long way, of course. Um, so, you know, watching this film now, uh, I feel like saying what we usually say, uh, or what, we, what often gets repeated on the show when we watch a much older film, uh, to me, uh, I know I've said this, I know the ghoul has said this, it's been said that uh, sometimes there are some, some some issues with pacing and, uh, you know, the time it takes to tell the story. Um, I felt that there was like a little bit, bit, bit of that, but there were like some weird, interesting things happening um, kind of in the time when you would think, oh, man, like this shot or this sequence is going on like two or three minutes uh, longer than it should, or not longer than it should, but longer than uh, this kind of scene would go on in in a more in a more uh, contemporary film. Um, with that being said, I, I do like Robert Mitchum, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, yeah. you know I haven't watched anything with Robert Mitchum in, in quite some time. I, I I was not even aware of this film uh, before the Monkey's Pick, um, but oh, I, I enjoyed watching it. I thought that it was a you know an interesting story and cer- excuse me certainly uh, interesting subject matter. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed my experience with Night of the Hunter. All right, King,
3: what did you think of this, right. man? Um, yeah, I
4: enjoy uh, Night of the
1: Hunter. Uh, I, I think that, like, what, to resound what you had said, Monkey, this falls under the noir category, if you're going to categorize it. The noir thriller, uh, they've been around since the 40s. That's where Alfred Hitchcock got his start, uh, with movies like Shadow of a Doubt, Notorious, uh, Strangers on a Train might be his most famous one, but then there's, Uh, Wilmot Place from 1950, which was a Nicholas Ray film. Uh, Lady from Shanghai, which was 47, that was Orson Welles. So, uh, you know, Lawton doing uh, this film, it wasn't the first of its kind to ever be made. But Robert Mitchum, who was also in uh, Lady Shanghai and another uh, noir piece at the time, he's the perfect villain that you want for this type of a movie because he can play it so smoothly where you can kind of believe his charms and his wilds, but all the while he has a switchblade in his pocket, and he's going to be taking out these women of the night because he believes that God is telling him to. Uh, so it does have that kind of interesting take. I mean, the movie flopped when it came out. I mean, it was just universally panned, and that's what caused Charles Lawton to never make another movie again because it just, people didn't seem to get Walton. it at the time because it was going mm-hmm. 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 up against two kids and getting that $10,000 and stalking them. And it just it didn't land at the time. it wasn't the right time for it. I'm sorry, cool to cut you off. No, I was just
2: gonna say Lawton originally wanted to put himself in the lead role of the yeah. film um you know this uh you know the studio was like, yeah, no,' nah, not gonna happen. Uh, people aren't gonna come to see it at that point, but yeah lawton's you know his 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 place at this point was place, you know the guy wrote, directed Broadway, mm-hmm. that kind of thing um you know, I think the, I think the biggest thing that just didn't catch on with audiences here for this film at the time of release, you know, it's a throwback film when throwback films weren't a thing yet. You know, that, that is the one right. unique thing I will give this. This film takes a lot of its paces from another film that we recently covered, you know, and, and that's The Silent Movie. Um, which is what he was going for, you know. So I just think that was what the audiences weren't ready for yet.
1: And, it, it, I mean, you're, you're also speaking about an hour and 30-minute and movie, so there, there's a lot to pack in, and I think that's where Lawton does a really good job at doing that. I mean, he, he shows you right off the, the start of Ben Harper being this guy who robbed essentially for children and when he gets to the farmhouse and he meets with his daughter, Pearl, and his son, John, giving him the money and saying, listen, don't tell your mom about this because she's just going to go ahead and spend it. This is all for you. Yeah. This is all stuff away, and that's it. So at a certain point, this will all be for you, and I'm going to go to jail and be on the hangman's noose for this crime. And that's where we get to meet Harry Powell, who's also in jail for a stolen car charge. But as we see, what I did like what Lawton did is that he puts his switchblade in his pocket and whenever he sees a woman that he feels is sinful, it pops out. So it's, it's definitely a metaphor for the erection. That's the way I took it. Like whenever he yeah. gets hold, that's <laughs> when he got to And see, these are the things that I think the book
2: is going to explore yeah. better. Um, you know that that's that's my big caveat with that. You know what I mean? Like we get obviously we get that as far as the, the metaphor goes. We're also looking at it with, you know, the, the mindset of people that have watched a lot of movies. So, you know, that that, that <laughs> kind of imagery is something that that's more regular nowadays. You know, portraying a priest a, as they did in this film was a big no-no back then. You know, it was the last thing that, that anybody wanted to do because, you know, you'd get into all kinds of shit with that. You can get people fucking not coming to see your movie just for religious purposes. Um and stuff like that. So, I just, that's why I, I think the whole thing with the editing is an issue and I think that that's where you, there you go. See, short, exploring. Um, <laughs> you should know, go think The editing is the issue in which we lose out on character moments and instead what we get are scenes in which they're trying to portray specific details of a character's motivation, but not really giving it to you well enough. And again, that might be again, because he's a first time director. you know this isn't this isn't what he does.:
0: mm-hmm. Right. And, and like you
3: said goal, uh, a big, big thing is he was a first- time director. He was having a lot of trouble. With just learning things about different lenses, different angles, all that kind of stuff, it's like he was having to have a lot of this stuff taught to him. On yeah, but that's what DP while, while your DP and that's div-
2: what your DP and cinematographer are taking care of anyway. You know what I mean? Like any any movie I've worked on, like as far as like anything, and again, it's very limited. But you know the ones that I have, the director, for the most part, you know he's saying, yes, you know, let's let's stage the shot from here, let's do this, let's do that. But all the people I've worked with at that point also Go towards their their cinematographer or their their cameraman, and they're like, okay, so what lenses are going to work in this light? How are we going to get this to go this way? You know, there are and obviously back then he had a cinematographer, so he had somebody with experience who knew what they were doing with these cameras, which is why they were able to capture some of the uh, so, some of the things that they did. And like I said, I feel like some of that work is what was done very well. Um, I like the lighting. I like you know how they they did the sets. I like the dichotomy of like the light, the darkness that get played with throughout this film. It's every, it, the, the problems I have with it really have more to do with the script. And, and in particular, again, like I said, characters just kind of popping up and disappearing. And, and again, motivation really is what comes down to it in, in the end. But I think that's also limited by said the time that the movie came out
3: and shortening a film. Yeah, I agree with you here. I, hair, I, I uh, sorry, you can go ahead. No, it's fine. No,
1: it, it, it's just it works. You have Mitchum playing that that part of this
3: Reverend, you know,
1: with the love and the hate tattooed on his knuckles. Something that is not traditional, obviously. He has a great story to go with it to kind of make everybody buy into it about how you hate with the left hand, and then you love with the right hand, you know, and that's what ingratiates himself in this community. And I do like the fact that you have Willa, played by the wonderful Shelley Winters in this movie, playing the widow of Ben Harper, and at first saying, you know what, I don't need a man. Like I'm fine being a single woman. I'm a widow, and that's the way I'm going to be. But of mm. course, I see the old woman on spoons. Like no, no, you got to have mm. some man. Look at the uncle man over there, and he's a preacher. Oh, ho, ho. you got to get in with that guy. And again, 1955, you watch it, and you're like, okay. They went to a picnic, and then the next day he's like, "We're getting married guys." so <laughs> buckled up. It's like, "Well, we'll yeah, yeah. pass time here. You know we're not seeing how long it is. But it's the fact that even Pearl, the daughter, is so happy to have a father figure because her father went away and she didn't have it, so that's why she's so happy to have him, but at the same time, very loyal well to her brother about not giving away where the money is. Every time,
2: well, went because They both watched the father get arrested in front of him, and now he's been put. You yeah. know, he's been hung. You know, this is all taking place in mm-hmm. 1932. So even though the film's made in 55, you know, the year that it that it's going on is, is 32. Because that's why yeah. they make reference but, to yeah, the depression and, and all of that shit that's going on. So
1: exactly, it's the and and as we get to the other woman in this film, it's a great juxtaposition between the two because with at first when she's seduced by Powell kind of falls for him in more of the religious sense of um, having her soul saved by being married to this particular person, especially because he's supposed to be a man of the cloth. So she kind of goes with everything he says. I mean, he's the adult, he's the preacher. So he's, she's not going to listen to John. John doesn't want to believe anything this guy has to say because he sees right through it. All this guy's here for is the money that my dad told me to seek the away. And even, like I said, Pearl, isn't giving that secret away, even though she loves Powell very much. She still believes in her brother, and it's not going to be one to do that, even to the point where Powell scares her half to death, and she runs into the basement because he grabs her arm <laughs> and calls her a witch. As Willow Wilson did, he goes, what's <laughs> about you? Nothing. Anyway, uh, if you want to just go to bed, you know, because your daughter's being a bitch right now. And she's like, yeah, I guess. You know, it's, it's, it's her being under complete control, even when she's laying in bed and knows, that he wants that money. Even though he said, I don't want the money, I don't care, whatever, tell, tell me about this, I'll believe. She knows it. But still, she has that kind of come-to-God moment, even as she's laying in bed. And uh, Cortez, the photographer, did a great job of lighting her when she's laying in bed. And it looks like she has a halo over her head. As she's laying there, and as you see Mitchum reach for that swiftly, knowing that it is not going to end well for this woman. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I mean I think
2: that's for us As, as the audience members to watch. But the, I also think this is going into the, the whole entire, you know he's gonna, he's gonna find her he's gonna finally penetrate her. Um, I think a lot of this also though goes to speak to the time. You know, and we can look at this in hindsight and you know, uh, I, We can realize that there were a lot of abusive relationships that were going on back in those days, and it was not a hidden or secret thing. Like, I love how they like to, like, they they paint when we look back on, on these times, like, oh well, we never knew that kind of stuff was going on, or, oh, you know, that kind of thing didn't happen back then. It absolutely did. And, obviously, we have movies and stories and books that show all of this shit was occurring for long periods of time. She is absolutely, 100%, a battered woman at this point, you know? He is shown to be abusive in multiple ways. He starts it mentally right from the fucking honeymoon, you know, where right off the bat, you know, his whole, (laughs) oh, well, this is a sin, this is that you're thinking wrong you know and, and we know that his whole thing is he preys on widows he has his switchblade for widows you know they don't paint it out necessarily that he murdered all these other women you don't know if it's just that he takes advantage of them steals their money does this does that um, and that's something that again like I said I wonder if that's something that might have been in the original script where that was more uh, more explained
4: uh, the fact that uh, I felt there was, you know, indi- that, that, I felt if if not explicitly no stated, I felt that that was something that was certainly indicated, like uh, you know, moving around and getting with these women and you know taking advantage of them if they have money or something. But like I felt that there was more uh, more danger to him than just than just theft and taking advantage, like you know, I, I thought that the possibility of murder was, like, very, very, very legitimate.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, but but in, our open, in our opening sequence with him, you know, as he's driving around, you know, in the Model T and stuff like that, he goes, you know, how, how many has it been, Lord? You know, 10? 13? 16? Yeah, I think he goes 16. You know, so we start off straight off from the bat, you know, that we know, according to his recollection, that has been, you know, at least... 16 widows that he's done in his time, you know, to go ahead and kill, take their money, and then to use that money to sit there and continue to spread the low, you know, the word of the Lord, because that's what he fucking does, you know, is spread the word of the Lord with the money that he gets off the widows.
2: Well, that's because he's a time traveler, and he ripped off Bray Wyatt's whole thing. You know what I mean with his hate and harm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or whatever phrase is. Uh,
4: <laughs> see, and again,
2: like I said, you know, like we, like I, I took that. Yeah, there could be more danger. I saw it could potentially, you know, be a murderer. I just didn't necessarily read from the opening like the the way he described stuff that he had killed. Um. You know, like I felt like, could he be a killer? Yes, had he killed, or was he just taking advantage? And maybe the idea is to frame that as a mystery. You know what I mean? You're you're to wonder if that's what he he is capable of. Um, I don't know. So that's how I took it.
1: And I mean, one of my favorite sequences in this entire movie is after Will is dead, and we have the the old man Birdie finding her body oh, in the water. To the house, you have the kids in the basement and they're hiding from Powell because they know he's going to come back and he's going to look for the money. They don't know what happened to their mom at this point, but they know something bad happened to her, but they're hiding in the basement from him. I love it when he comes downstairs and he goes, I know your guys are down here, so you might as well just come out. And then you have Icy coming into the house saying, I brought you a bunch of food. You know, you kids come up here right now. You listen to this man. He is your father. And they dutifully do what he tells them to do. But then, They are so hungry, and they're begging, and poor Pearl's like, can I have something to eat? Sure. I got cornbread. I got fried chicken. I got milk. You can have anything you want, but you got to tell me where that money is. And she says, I don't know where it is. Uh, John, don't you talk to John. Like, just as he gets louder about it. And then he says, well, it's in the basement. It's underneath the the, the stone in the basement. Let's go. You go. You go. You go. You go, pal. We'll we'll get up here. You guys are going to come down
0: okay. and check, and when they do. that's
3: what Pearl. No, breaks. but
1: you,
0: But
3: bef- before What's you it, know, we about that is like you got to sit there and backpedal, man. Is like the point where it's like he sits there and introduced Pearl to what to the tool he uses for meddlers. Okay, and he sits there <laughs> and pulls out his, but you know, pocket knife. You know, his switchblade. Brother is. He a goes devil. hey, hey, he, yeah, you like this? I use this so on meddler. Your brother might be a meddler. You know,
0: okay?
3: And her eyes get fucking like, wide as shit when he when he opens up that blade, you know. Which, again, yeah. is probably a fucking six-inch blade, you know, which is huge, someone my size, you know. But our Mitchum is fucking, like, seven and a half feet fucking tall, so that knife looks tiny as fucking his hands, you know. But, again, you know,
1: well... It's also the fact yeah. that when they are in the basement and he's about to look underneath the stone and that it's concrete, he's, when John says, yeah, it's under there, that's when Pearl gasps because she knows John's lying. So that's the automatic tell for Powell to know you're fucking with me. And now I'm going to put you in this barrel. And if you don't tell me where it is right now, I'm killing your brother. And that's when she breaks and says, it's in the doll. It's in the doll. And he's like, The doll. Oh, man. It was in the doll the entire he takes that seat, they pull the shelf down and go run upstairs. But it's in that moment when Powell reaches his arms out, and it's like you have your boogeyman moment, because his arms yeah. outstretched and running upstairs, it's like a Frankenstein moment of him barreling yeah, up exactly. the stairs and getting to the door. It's my favorite sequence, just because of how he looks when he's running up those stairs. gets the hand slammed, and he screams. Because when Mitchum screams, he fucking screams. That was- <laughs> Title. Okay. No. All right, true. Yeah, okay. his, but his now, performance
2: throughout but, this film is uh is definitely a highlight to it. He makes it, no. the character uncomfortable. Um
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and and I know from what I had read the the you know, Lawton actually liked it because of the way he sexualized you know, the character and that is what he kind of played into with it. So, but yeah, I feel like he takes it and, and you know, there's times that he plays it as very manly. You know, there's other times he plays the character almost as fey. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, it's definitely a wide range, uh, of interesting, uh. interesting possibilities as to the true motivations behind the character himself. Um, so it, it almost makes me want, you know. The again, like I said, what I'm hoping to get in the book is to maybe get a little bit more detail into the mm. actual character because I, I'm
3: fascinated by it. I'd like to know mm. more. All right, but okay. But then we have them run off to Uncle Bertie, okay, who is passed out, so fucking cold, drunk, okay. But Brock. this is the biggest. But this is the biggest fucking part of the movie for me. Okay, was. He's passed out, fucking drunk, because he finds their mother dead at the bottom of the fucking river. Like you know, he sees her yeah. s- sitting in the fucking car with their fucking throat slit. And th- this is the this like for me, this was the biggest fucking moment in the entire fucking movie. Okay, period, was the fact that we're talking about 1955. All right, and you're showing a chick at the bottom of the river. With her throat slit
4: open, in a movie what's, in 1955. Yeah, but what's what's also what's so bizarre? I found this whole sequence to be so bizarre, and I didn't. That's interesting, monkey. Because I didn't think about it in that context. But what I did think about was that it starts with the like the you see the fish hook right, and it comes down and it, yeah. it's gripping around like the bar from the the vehicle, and when you go back up to the boat, and he looks like the water is so, like, from his view, the water is so crystal clear, and you can
0: see, like,
4: every, you can see every part of the vehicle, you can see every part of the woman so crystal. Like, are we supposed to believe in that sequence that that's the first time that he's seeing that? Like, he didn't see that at all when he was dropping his line down below the water? Like, it's just, that that was something that jumped out to me so strongly because of, how well that's I guess that is true, but the, the he did is I guess, right. increase he is though drunk. his level of intoxication. You know he did say earlier that you know just a little nip to get the systems running in the morning. Um, it wasn't until after the seeing the body feeling that might he might get blamed that he got super cross. Right, well, I but mean, the fact he's that he's this just a little also, dip to get
2: it, the thing started doesn't mean that he's just going with a little nip, yeah. man. I mean, you know, yeah. that's just where yeah. it starts. We don't know what he's looking like yeah. by, you know, I don't know, say 10, 10 a.m. or <laughs> so. Uh, but that yeah. being said, but, but too, a, the one thing I'll throw again, in Paul there, Rich, if it? I can real quick. Um, go ahead, oh, sorry. No, All I was going to say is the filmmaker particularly made – the film, the idea is, is we're looking at it from the perception of the child. So the reason why certain things are done the way they are is it's supposed to be like a child's memory of the way things were. So in a kid's head, the idea of this old man finding your mom dead in the boat, you know, the idea is, is, well, yeah, he just looked in the water <laughs> and there she was that's why certain things are framed the way they are. That's why they use certain, uh, I don't want to say, I was going to say color, but they obviously didn't use color for it, but they use certain lighting for <laughs> it. There's certain things you'll see in shots where things aren't like properly connected because it's almost like the idea as a kid, you know, you only remember certain details of things. You'll see fences with no houses and things like that. You'll remember the picket fence, but you don't remember the house that it was attached to. Um, and every little detail of this film. Again, there's a lot of technical stuff that really is interesting when you look at the thought process that went into the
3: making of this film. That's right. Now, like,
2: all I'm all
3: cool. man? No, I'm just saying. Again, it's like that was why it's like anytime they there, you know, anytime there was a mention of alcohol in the entire movie, they're being super secretive about it because again, this is supposed to be again during the times of prohibition. So, like you said, you know, just a little something to, you know, get get the motor going in the morning. Same thing when there are spoons, you know, hey, you know, a little bit of alcohol brandy, get things going. She's like, you know, that's for patients only, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but we're going through some shit. So I'm going to sit there and drink this stuff anyway. And it's like, yeah, again, prohibition, you know, we're not supposed to be having any alcohol at all on the premises. You know, you need to sit there and keep that shit tucked away. You know, again, you know, all of that stuff is there. <laughs> Just little hints of there is still alcohol all over the place.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, well, and yeah. after
3: making that that batch
4: of gin, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other woman in this movie, uh, played by Lillian Gish, uh, which is Rachel Cooper, she to me is like the, the complete opposite of Will. You know, she's an old woman, you know, running a house with children in it that are not hers. She's taking care of But she's also a shotgun-toting old woman that just knows her business. And she, is right God, <laughs> she is a mad motherfucker, man. That's why I love the fact that there's a strong woman in this movie that kind of contracts the woman that Will is, because she is a, a woman of God, too, but she can see right through Powell when he steps up to her front porch. And he starts talking about his tattoos, and she's like, "I'm not impressed. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not interested in your game. You know, John, why don't you come down to your daddy? He's like, that's not my dad. She's like, the fuck he is. He's not. He's so not your dad. Run. And he ain't no
0: preacher either."
1: I mean, to, to <laughs>
2: quote another film, you know the, the way she is, you know, like it just the, the first thing that came into my my mind with her when she started kind of like going in about that whole thing was just oh, I kick ass for the Lord, you know, like this is yeah, like you said, it was nice to <laughs> no see. I wanted, I could have dealt with some more of of this time frame too. Like again, this yeah. is where I feel like the movie and. the the book probably is vastly different, because I think at this point we get more of an exploration of who this woman is, why she takes care of the children the way she does. I mean, obviously there's the religious connotation, you know, and and all of that stuff, and we're getting the the, the Bible stories of Jesus and and Moses and all that. Um, But you know, I think it's just uh, the idea is, again, the purity of light, the pure, you know, and then there's the darkness that is is him. Um, it's – I think they spent too much time on the boy and girl traveling down the river.
0: And I think yeah, they could have yeah, edited
2: out a lot of that mm-hmm. and instead given us more time here with this woman – Letting the kids develop a relationship with this woman and therefore making it even more feasible when she chooses to believe the children over the parent. You know, if, you know, that was, whether or not that was really the dad. Um, Good point. Those were all things that I I think they could have done a little bit better with. And there's going to be a remake, so we're going to
3: find it soon. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I I, I agree 100% with you. It's like because when they started drifting down the river and, you know, I'm looking at the time frame and shit like that on the movie, I'm like, fuck, man. And we wasted 15 minutes of them drifting down the river, 15 minutes of film time. And I was like, does this turn into fucking Mark Twain? Like, is this what we went to? Because, again, this is what I'm talking about is because we went to where Robert Mitchell went, really, really fucking dark, you know, Kill, killed his wife, was getting ready to kill the kids. They fucking escaped. And then we have another 15 minutes of film time of them literally just floating down the river. And it, to me, that was a fucking waste of, you know, film film time.
1: Yeah. But, you know, then they that's when they get to, to Rachel Cooper at her home. But as we had
3: said, Rachel Cooper, don't fuck around.
1: She's got a shotgun and she's not afraid to use it. So while owls no, wow. outside and just kind of waiting for his moment, the night of the hunter... Uh, to get his kids and get that money. She's not standing for it. She's going to set up all night if she has to because she's not letting him in that house. But we've been through Big Ruby to come into the room with her candle and disrupt the whole thing because once you blows that candle out, you Well, Ruby's a
2: hoe. Ruby's giving hand jobs on yeah. the fucking corner by the pharmacy and shit, dude. That was some, some wacky-dack shit, man. That I really wasn't expecting. Like, for her to kind of be like a straight... Like, they really were insinuating the shit out of that girl being loose, man.
1: But, yep, it's, uh, Steve gets Yeah, show. dude. And... And... You know, she says, if you don't get out of my kitchen, I'm going to shoot you. Uh, i like to see try. And he shoots him, and him just chewing up that scenery, screaming at the top of his lungs, running from the barn like Jason Voorhees.
0: <laughs> Dude, the way he was
2: moaning and groaning while he was doing it, too, I was fucking dying, man.
0: The, I
2: love the use of the cat. I love that he tried to use the cat as a distraction. And
0: just yeah. He pops yeah. up Whoa Whoa Yeah <laughs> in the
3: Barn You're not getting out yeah, of that barn but, yeah. <laughs> but she's all calm and cool Like Hey State troopers I got a guy trapped in my the Barn You guys want to show up Anytime soon Yeah I got, I got him completely trapped <laughs> Feel free to show up <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah so just you know down, Take your time And hey
1: guys Be cool Because there's kids here so maybe not go in there gun-toting, you know, just take him out of there. He's not going
0: anywhere. <laughs> you know? well, no,
1: she, she goes, I, watch
2: I, your I shooting. Got, She's not saying not to shoot him. She's just saying make sure you're aiming at him and not
1: hitting the children.
4: Yeah, don't hit us. Yeah. <laughs> don't hit one of these kids accidentally, you bunch of maniacs. Bystanders, you know, but
1: so they do take Pal out of the barn and arrest him, but it's in this moment that John has that PTSD flashback of his dad getting arrested, and goes, please don't take him. Away. Please
4: don't hurt him. Imagine <laughs> a him. meltdown,
1: man. <laughs> and that money goes everywhere, and it's like, fuck. <laughs> Powell made it to the money, um, but not in time because he's to he be be in jail. jail. Yeah, he
2: not, well, you know what it is, too. It's not so much that he was having the – it was, I guess you could say it was PTSD. Um but also, what I think the representation that we were getting there is that the money was the root of all the evil, and in John's mind, you know, giving back the money was going to reset everything that had occurred. You know, mm. if the dad never stole that money and they never hid mm. it, then you know they would not be in any of the situation that they're in. You know, the the priest would never be there. Oh, good uh, job. The mom wouldn't be dead. You know, all of these
0: dad would still you know, be alive.
2: It's the only, you know. It's the only part. And as you noticed, this entire time we've been talking about this movie. It's the only time that the kid actually, like, really did any really quality emoting performance. You know, the, the whole entire film yeah. was pretty much him fucking snarling and snarky and, and saying like two words at a shot, man.
0: Right. the
2: performers for the remake.
3: <laughs> but then after it's we coming. had this moment of going on, okay, he's convicted, and we find out it's like it's not 16 like he said. You know, it was um, convicted of 23, I believe is what it was. All right. And then we sit there and see the town go fucking nuts, including the fucking nosy bitch that ran the ice cream shop, okay. I see. And, yeah, and I don't – like she's going fucking nuts and talk like you know talking F? about you know he he's gotta be fucking lynched and all this kind of shit and all based to, on to true me F? is to me it struck me as like she was at this point where it's like she was a fucking drunk now. Like, her hair looks like mm. shit, you know, her makeup looks yeah. like shit, you know, and she's just fucking irate as hell, you know, she just wants fucking vengeance, blah, 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 you know, while, you know, earlier in the movie, she was all like, you know, he's a great man, you know, he's a man of God, blah, 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 you know, you know,
0: know is, <laughs> Yeah, she hook up a him.
2: She's the one that... Oh, you know willa to that and everything so she probably is taking you know for me to read into that she's you know taking a little of it into her and uh upon herself you know as uh as yeah. being the problem um but yeah uh this whole mob scene all this stuff you know this is based on a guy uh harry powers uh, who was a serial killer mm-hmm. and there was actually a uh, a complete like a, a you know, I guess a small riot or whatever at the time, where a mob did show up to uh, to lynch him. You know, and he ended up the guy, the real guy, did get hung. I think in uh, 1932, I think it was.
0: Oh, cool! Right.
2: All right, thank you.
4: But yeah, I but, mean, but, but, it's also
1: one of those. I don't know where. Oh, go stands. ahead. Go. The mob was
4: good. have <laughs> They could have
1: impromptu hung him. And that would have been an impressive ending, but instead they gotta end the fun way, which is to have Christmas at the house. And it's like, Oh, well, I'm gonna wrap this apple up and give it to Rachel. Uh it's the best gift I ever got. I'm like, Oh, we can end this now. Like we could just hit that the the end card 'cause it's just it felt so much like at the end. I was like, it's a beautiful Christmas and you're all children and there's only one that's so weird. It's only one Christ, but all kids are Christmas. Like I, I don't what movie Whoa. are we ending in? Wasn't
2: this during that time frame that movies had to have happy endings?
1: The Hayes Code, yeah. The Hayes Code didn't end until the 60s. So, yeah. This is okay. during that time. Peak, peak time. So,
2: I mean, that, that's
1: our reasoning for all this Christmas <laughs> that came
2: out of nowhere. Plus, I think, again, with the focus being on the children uh, and, you know, the, the idea that they endure or they abide and they endure – it's just like abide, the dude. They the, the dude they abides. Abide. So do the children <laughs> and they act. There actually is. They do say that they uh, that that is from this movie. So um, that, that, that's where they got the idea of the dude abides. It's, uh, it was inspired
1: from this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I know that. It's yeah it's, it's, you got to have that happy ending tacked on, I, uh, it. it's fine for what it is. But to me, they could end it with him hanging. Because even the hangman yeah. used all the press at the beginning. I don't like hanging people. I don't, I don't do this anymore, mother. That's another thing that bothered me. Fucking so stop calling your wife mother. I know it's 1930, yeah. but that's just, no. That's your wife, man. <laughs> it's it's uh, Yeah, like, it's a little weird.
3: <laughs>
0: <"Hang."> <laughs> but like, but again, that, you know. it's
3: like, the, the, again, this film is like, for me, it's like, it went in the right direction, but unfortunately, it didn't go the right direction long enough. It's like, you know Robert Mitchum, he he went there, like I was saying, he hit a you know the character hit a peak of darkness, and I wish it had kept going, you know throughout the entire movie. Unfortunately, you know again like the ghoul said, 1955 Hays Code, all that kind of stuff. So we got to there and wrap it up with a nice happy ending. I I think if this movie had been done the better. You know, maybe more along the lines of the original Cape Fear. You know, we could have gone longer and darker. A movie that this is well,
2: a movie that Cape Fear, a film that this inspired. that um, so that is one of the one of the films that is listed as such. And again, we are going to get a remake of this. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was looking at certain actresses for it. You know, I mean, I don't know. And I didn't look anything up on the remake. I don't know if there's anything like really fully in the works yet for it. But, you know, like, I don't know. It was weird. I was thinking that uh, for Willow they could use that girl that uh, plays, like, I guess she's kind of, like, the lead actress on The Office. Uh, well, whichever one's with Jim. I think Jim's uh, the one character. I don't know. For some reason, like, she's got a similar look, I thought. Um, yeah. And for the Robert Maybe. Mitchum role, a little out there, but, you know, like, I kind of thought that Sean um, Cusack... For some reason,
3: <laughs> John Kuzak always great at playing crazy. I,
2: I yeah, think he can I mean, pull off the menacing thing, while still keeping enough charm to make you believe and like the guy enough to where okay, I get why they want, like why they
4: would keep him Why, since and I know he's much older now, of course, but why don't we just keep with the theme? And since Roger Robert, sorry, Robert Mitchum played Max Katie in the original Cape Fear, why don't we just have Robert De Niro uh, play uh, play this character just as he played Max Cady in the Cape Fear remake? It's possible.
1: I mean, it would be the second. Because there was one in 1991 uh, that starred Richard Chamberlain. It was a major TV movie uh, on YouTube for free, Night of the Hunter uh, that came
4: out. So this would be technically the second one. Um, <laughs> And in, I just want to throw out this really quick as, as we look at the clock, because I know our time is running short, mm. but a little piece of trivia, and I, and I know it well because I, I have it and, listen, and have listened to it, but Robert Mitchum uh, once put out a Calypso album where he sang Calypso music, and uh, it's, a, it's a very funny album, and there is a song on that album called Tick, 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 and he sings a song about a woman who has stolen somebody's wristwatch and has hid said wristwatch in a very special place. And the song is called
0: <laughs> speaking of watches, like
2: what was the deal with the watch? Like where did time have to come in? Like at the end too. You know what I mean? Like those are things that I feel like might have been in the original script. Like something to do with the kid and a timepiece or the kid in time. And that's why she got him a watch at the end of the movie. But like it just otherwise it didn't make any fucking sense.
3: I agree. But anyway
1: <laughs> next week it is your uh
2: we are gonna go bloody, we're gonna go messy, we're gonna go gory, we're gonna go with one of those movies that I uh that I've recently obtained. We're gonna go with the Herschel Gordon Lewis, you know, <laughs> classic blood feast.
1: Sweet. Excellent choice. That's one of my favorites. All right. So, H Lewis. No about that.
3: It will be and a first it's, time it's a viewing
1: point. for me, so
3: that is awesome.
1: Yeah, so that's the first time viewing for you. I can't wait. That's that's what kicked off the whole blood thing. But yeah, that's excellent.
4: Fine choice. Anyway, no spoilers.
1: So we'll talk about that no next worries. week. No so spoilers. Thank <laughs> you so much, Dean, for joining us. And we'll be back here next week for H.G. Lewis's Blood Feast from 1963. Yes.
4: Sweet. Next week's special Thanksgiving right.
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, uh, and I'm the monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode, and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Sláte vá, motherfuckers. Happy save say, you Bitches. Wow I hadn't called us that. Super fast plug. Ready? Uh,
2: go to Etsy, all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs.
0: Etsy, Things haven't been able We're to update updated
2: recently because it's... Uh, you know, there's been, there's been stuff going on. But, uh, yes, again, Etsy, Just one word, Bonfire pieces. Beat Designs. Shut up. Anyway, bits and pieces, Bonfire Beat Designs.
0: <laughs> <kid>. Vintage, vintage <laughs> pieces.
2: Stay, stay scared. Your ass is vintage, Thanksgiving boy.
0: <laughs>
1: and as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talking Terrible. We'll boss. see you back here next week. 1963. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hail, Stephen. (laughs) Hail yourselves. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong. See you next week, guys. Happy Hanukkah.